The Andy J Podcast. Hi there, welcome to the Andy J Podcast. I hope you're having a good week. Well, we have some incredible conversations for you today. I mean, incredible conversations for you today. Conversations that blew my mind. Let me tell you who's on the show today. Have you seen the Umbrella Academy on Netflix? We have not one, but two of the stars of that hit show, and what a show it is. The brilliant Tom Hopper, who's been in so many other things, and his compadre, the magnificent Robert Sheehan, who has also been in everything under the sun. I mean, two colossal actors on top of their game, and they both give up their time today to chat to me, and wow, they're just really good guys. Of course, we were there to talk about the Umbrella Academy, but you will hear in this chat that becomes kind of very, very, well, it kind of left to the back of the back of the room, really. We hardly touch on it. They're just such interesting, such engaging guys. Really great conversations with them. I absolutely loved it. Then, oh, Emmett Scanlon, another great actor. Now, Emmett was such a good guy. He has just become a new dad again. And by new, I mean there's so many years difference between his eldest and his newborn baby. So he's just kind of going through that experience of love slash utter exhaustion for this tiny, tiny little human being that he and his missus have created. And so, and so it was just so much fun. And he's been absolutely joyful subsequently. He sent me so many funny little chats and bits and pieces on WhatsApp. I really liked him. I thought he was a top, top man. And I think the conversation reflects that. I hope you enjoy it. And then I have a conversation with a young lady who I just thought was absolutely phenomenal. I have a fan of her music anyway, but I didn't know much about her her story. I didn't know much about what she carried with her in terms of her life baggage, and it is colossal. And the way she describes it, the way she talks about her journey today, the way she is so open and honest and raw with what she has lived through and with is unbelievable and was humbling and fascinating. And I really hope that when you hear this, it helps if you are going through a rough time or you can share it with someone just so that they can hear that you're not alone when times are tough. Janet Devlin is a truly sensational young lady and and I can say that because I'm an old man, right? So I can call, you know, someone in their early 20s young lady because I'm in my 40s. So I'm a probably old dude, but she was incredible. I really, I couldn't thank her enough for her honesty, her openness, and for sharing her stories and, and how she survived and how she stepped up and got through it. I hope you feel enlightened and rewarded for hearing it and entertained, of course, by, uh, by all the other chats we have around with the guests as well. So I'll stop chatting now and dive straight in with today's podcast. The Andy J Podcast. Hey there, welcome to Driven, the show that chats to celebrities and achievers about what drives them. This week, joining the conversation, we have a litany of wonderful celebrities for you. We have singing sensation Janet Devlin. I should call her singer-songwriter, actually. She's a very, very talented young lady. We have an acting heartthrob on the show for you today. Mr. Emmett Scanlon joins the conversation. You may know him from uh, a number of different things. Hollyoaks is where he began, but he moved on to Guardians of the Galaxy, amongst others. Yeah, very cool. 
the ultimate salvage hunter, the legend that is Mr. Drew Pritchard. We'll be chatting to him later on, towards the end of the show. And we have two other stars for you. More on them in a moment. Should we do this? This is Driven on Talk Radio. I'm Andy J. Driven with Andy J on Talk Radio in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. So before all that, I have come across a new binge for you. Have you run out of things to watch on Netflix or Prime recently? Because, we, you know, there's not enough new shows out there, are there? Well, that's all about to change as the second series of Umbrella Academy has landed on Netflix. Now, I was lucky enough to catch up with two of the poster boys for the show recently, Robert Sheehan and Tom Hopper. They're big stars in their own right, but they're also massive members of the Umbrella Academy crew. And we ended up having a really deep chat reflecting on life, which I think you're going to enjoy. So to start with, I asked them about the skills they've learnt on the show, starting with Tom. The biggest one for me would have been from season one when Steve Blackman told me I was going to do this partner dance with Alison. I mean, I've never done a partner dance in my life. So when I saw that, well, first and foremost, I thought I didn't sign up for that. Do you know what I mean? Like when, when I first took on the show, I had no idea that in season one, I ended up doing a partner ballroom style dance. But it actually ended up being my favorite thing I did that year, I think. It was, it was such a great experience and I got to learn something new. You know, I got to learn how to do something. I, that's what I love doing about our job, really, is that you get opportunities, particularly on this show, you get opportunities to do things and learn how to do things that you just otherwise wouldn't have got opportunities to do. That experience allowed me to kind of go, wow, that's what it's like to do a part of that. And it, 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 it tell you what, that is something, somewhat of a superpower, I think, to learning how to do that and do that well. It's so difficult. Mm. I had such a, a newfound respect for dancers and ballroom dancers and stuff when I did that because it is so difficult. It's so hard. The way you have to hold yourself, the way, you know, just tiny little movements with your yeah. feet that you wouldn't notice when you're watching partner dancing. But yeah, that was that was a, definitely the biggest challenge for me so far out of the whole show. I think that was probably the biggest challenge out over the two seasons, actually. I'm sensing from that, Tom, that you're you're not going to answer the call for Strictly Come Dancing then. <laughs> it better never come. If my agent gives me that call, I'll, I'll tell them to go running. <laughs> it's a yeah. show. It's a cracking show. Rob, tuck in, my friend. You know, uh, one that just sort of keeps coming up in the memory is uh, kissing a man tenderly. Oh! quite daunting that's something is that what what it says in the script though does it say kissing tenderly I mean does it give you specifics as to how you have to kiss no I've added the I've added the adverb (laughs) it actually said aggressively but he wasn't into that (laughs) well I mean you boys you have been rolled out as as the kind of the bromance of the acting community for Umbrella Academy I've seen the pair of you do quite a lot together did you guys did you guys kind of strike up a great friendship on the set? Because you're not in loads of scenes together, are you? No, just the group stuff, really, Tom, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yes, particularly this season. First season, we had some great moments. Um, but, yeah, we've we become very good friends, almost like brothers off set, really. And me and Rob, you know, in, in a lot of ways, share the same views about the world and what's, what's wrong with it, what could be better about it. We started this podcast, The Earth Locker, and it's all about us trying to, you know, expose the public to some of the, the world's experts in in things that they might not know about. You know, there's there's some amazing things happening in the world to help people. And uh, it's not exposed in the news or in the general media, you know. And we're, we're getting hold of these people and we're very fortunate as actors that we do get exposed to these kind of people. And we're letting people know about it. Food, you know, it's kind of 
world off from food into nutrition relationships yeah in their bodies and, and it also whirled off in a sort of a spiritual direction how people can take control of their own lives really by making certain choices isn't it well it's really rewarding because you guys have an audience you know that you, you both know we, i'm not going to kind of you know blow smoke up your bums the fact is you have a reach you know this you know you have an audience you've both got a phenomenal body of work you're in this terrific new show now but we, we all know that you've got all sorts of amazing things lined up as well and clearly you know you guys are at one with yourselves you've been kind of learning about what's right putting into your body and your mind and your spirit and so on and so forth and you could just kind of go okay i got this now i'm going to live a great life i'm going to keep doing great things in my career and and you know let my body be as as, as kind of fantastic as it can be but instead you're you're choosing to to take time out of your own schedules to go right let's let's give some of this back you know it's also very enjoyable to uh, creatively control something and and either have a means of of satisfying that creative and curious urge a question might arise and go ooh this would be a good podcast mm. you know, yeah you just get someone on to try to answer that question or that question and it's just that it's just really that you know it's almost like a sort of literary debating society except for the people who are coming on there are people who are geniuses and experts is the whole yeah. thing being done by the pair of you i mean as in are you making the calls on the guests as well or have you got like some assistants that you can say listen we'd really love to find someone who happens to know about whatever it might be it's a bit it's a bit of both really and yeah i mean we we obviously have the people that we want to get on and we're obviously the creators of the show along with our co-host byron knight um and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, we, we want to keep hold of the creative control because it's the reason why we started it was because we thought, oh, imagine if we could talk to someone like this or talk to someone from a company who's doing this or, you know, yeah. we've, we've both had experiences in our lives that have expanded our horizons and our health and improved our health. And we want to expose the masses to those because it's like healthcare, you know, healthcare, nutrition, all these things. A lot of people just don't know about what's available to them. And even if we can affect, you know, 1% of the people that come across our podcast and, and say, oh, actually, I might try that, and they can become happier, healthier people for it, then, then we've won. That's what it's all about, you know, trying to help people that might be feeling a little bit lost. We're saying, here's what we've done. Give it a try, you know, and if it, it works for them, then amazing. Having a laugh, I think, hopefully. Yeah. Because there's three of us who are the hosts. To sort of break down the perhaps the presupposed questions and answers template, you know, Andy, like it's more of a just a bit of a convivial lateral chat, you know, not unlike here today. So people aren't coming on and spouting their mission statement from A to B. We're disrupting them with methodical madness, you know what I mean? Yeah, we're questioning the status quo a lot. But if, yeah, but if you're doing yeah. that whilst having a laugh as well, then that sounds terrific because a lot of these, I, I appreciate self-help is the wrong term for this, but a lot of these ones where, where people kind of turn to a podcast or a book or, a, or an app or whatever to, to help them relax or sleep better or eat the right things or whatever, they get a bit worthy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah well, laughter is the best medicine, Andy, right? Uh, laughter. And so if you can learn a little bit of something and, and on the way and laugh, then that's the way I think information goes in, you know, by chatting and laughing and entertaining yourself while doing it. You know, what is it that, that gets you up in the morning? What, you know, you guys as performers, you, you go out on a limb, you know, you take chances, you, you inhabit other characters, other personas, but ultimately, you know, you have to strip yourselves down to show that. So it, it takes a certain strength of character to have that resilience and that ability and, and that kind of 
sort of skill set to be able to go right this is what i'm doing today and some of the roles that you guys have both played in in obviously umbrella academy and your the rest of your your work because I'm, I'm familiar with both of what you've done it does it does require taking risks so what drives you what is it well, i was lucky to have very very positive human beings growing up in my life you know my mother and my father my mother is someone who taught me it's not the information that comes to you it's what you do with it but ultimately do you let it destroy your life or do you gain dominion over the over the pain that something external can cause in you and be be sort of above it if you can you know and uh, i've just i've just had people who i think have good spiritually or, or in other words good emotional intelligence people who don't let stuff fold them over too easy because yeah so so uh, you know I think probably that bred some strength of character in me I like myself you know so I want to see myself do alright and do well and sometimes if I see a standard of acting or if I see some you know I go you know I could probably do it better than that and I've, I've said that to myself what a thoughtful and, and really very inspiring answer Rob thank you for that thanks comment. man I really thank appreciate you. that um, Tom, no pressure. But, you know. Yeah. Um, well, like Rob, you know, I had great role models growing up. I mean, my mum was a single parent growing up. So she always said, you know, you can be anything you want to be. I grew up in a miners' town in called Colville in Leicestershire. And there was, you know, there's not a huge amount there, to be honest. And it was the, the idea of kind of going on to bigger things outside of there was, was never a huge prospect really it always felt a bit untouchable i mean even london going to london was like oh my god london what i think was instilled in me very early on was that anything was possible if you put your mind to it if you want something it's possible and you just have to sort of take the journey to get there you have to put steps in in place and you have to take them you know doors of opportunity will open up for you and you have to, it's your decision whether you walk through those doors or not but one of the big things i always say is it's all about enjoying the journey because you don't know what life's going to throw at you right and as rob says you know there's things that will come and there's things that will be hard but it's your it's your choice ultimately how you deal with those things you know you can either spin them and turn them into a positive or you can take them and turn them into a a negative and let it bring you down. I do believe, and as an actor, everything happens for a reason. Because if you if you get down about every role you didn't get, or you know roles that you you thought were yours and they don't go your way, and you think oh, I was I was supposed to do that role, that's when it's a, a downward spiral. You've got to take everyone that you don't get as a positive to what could be around the corner. What is the reason? I look back now and I see the things that I didn't get. And go, oh man! If I had done that job, yeah, me too. I yeah. would never have got this job or that job. But ultimately, like what I'm saying is, I love embracing the journey. So that it allows me to never get down about stuff because I'm thinking, well, it's happened for a reason, and the reason will come good at some point, and I'll look back. Now I've had enough experience now to go, well, when you look back, you go, that happened for that reason, and you know, now I've got children to to answer the the, the kind of the top of the question, what drives me is now my future journey for myself and my children and my family, my wife, you know, where we're going with our, with our life and where the things that I'm doing for my children will take me. Um, and ultimately that's what I go to work for. It's what I, you know, is to provide for them and their future. So enjoying the journey with them now is, is a whole new chapter. Driven with Andy J. My thanks to Tom Hopper and Robert Sheehan. And you can see season two of Umbrella Academy on Netflix 
now. So coming up after the break, I'm catching up with X Factor's Janet Devlin to find out about her new music and what life's been like since getting to the quarterfinal of the show nine years ago. This is Driven on Talk Radio. Welcome back to Driven here on Talk Radio, powered by Paramex Digital, proud creators of DrivenChat.com. I'm Andy Jay, and joining me right now, I'm going to use the word firecracker, because frankly, I can see her on the screen right now, and she's looking absolutely fantastic. Wonderful singer. It is the glorious Janet Devlin. She's a new album out now called Confessional. Janet, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm doing good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, you know, alive and kicking. I hope you don't mind the firecracker reference, because if anybody uh, is not aware of you, you have the most incredible, huge, flaming hair that really stands out and looks amazing. Well, it comes from a bottle, so I'll send my regards to my hairdresser. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Janet, let's talk about your journey and, and where you've come from. You've had quite I mean you're 25 years old your career has spanned nearly a decade already because of course you came to prominence and I don't know how much you like talking about the X Factor but that's that's the beginning of your journey as far as we the public are concerned 16 years old walking in out in front of Gary Barlow and co oh god it makes me feel old it's like 10 years of doing something do you know what I mean it's crazy but no I don't mind talking about it because um it was good like it was it was what it was it was a really good experience for me it taught me a lot taught me that like I'm less likely to self-implode if I've got a goal, especially if it's music orientated. Um, it's only just weird sometimes because it was only like maximum eight months of your life. But it's like the thing that you're like most known for, you know, it's kind of like having an English class like years and years ago. And that's like the only thing you're known for was that one year in English literature. And you're like, mind you, at 16, eight months is a pretty massive chunk of time, isn't it? I mean, that must have felt yeah. like, wow, this is this is real and it's happening. And OMG. Yeah, but it was like the actual TV, so like the live shows is where things really get serious. And that's only about three months of your life. Felt like forever, though, I won't lie. Yeah, it definitely did. It, it, it was a long time for me, but like it was good. It taught me hard work, like getting up at stupid o'clock in the morning and getting to bed at stupid o'clock in the morning, you know. So I appreciated that little baptism of fire to the industry. Yeah. Well, I mean, from from what I can remember, and like you've said, it's a decade ago, so slightly hazy memories. But from what I can remember, two key things stood out in terms of the public meeting you. The first one was your phenomenal voice. And it's just joyful that you are still singing the new the new album. I listened to it on the way here this morning. It's absolutely glorious. You know, you've got a heck of a a pair of pipes on you. Love your vocal. And the other thing, of course, and this is probably less exciting for you, is you were you were kind of wrongly or rightly labeled as the shy one you know you got this tag because you came out you were you're nervous you're anxious and that that's followed you around a bit hasn't it yeah it definitely did and for years it was it was true like I was shy but not for the the cute sweet reasons I think that everybody thought I was shy I was I was shy because I was I wasn't always but then whenever I suffered from anorexia at about like 15 um and depression like depression hit me like a a slap in the face when I turned like 12 years old because I was already self-harming by 12 so I was just very sad and I didn't believe in myself I always had that like why would anyone want to talk to me why would anyone want to hear my opinion like I don't matter all that kind of stuff and then when I started to like develop confidence and actually really work hard on myself and obviously therapy all those things find them people were like oh I miss the old you and I'm like I'm so sorry but that's just like not gonna happen I'm not gonna like live in this painful existence of self-hatred just because you think it's cute (laughs) because it hurt panic attacks 
no fun, my guy. Like, I just, I'm be- like, I feel so much better now. And if it means it hurts the feelings of like a handful of people online, then like that's none of my business. Like, too right. People online, ignore them. You'll never meet them. It really doesn't matter. But so, so you're talking about how you know at, at 12, you were having this kind of sadness, this sorrow, and and I mean you have really battled with with demons for a long time, haven't you? I mean, just if you're happy to talk us through it, you know. Firstly, I'm I'm, I'm working on the assumption that you're you're in quite a good place right now. Is, is that right? Yeah. Oh my God. Absolutely. I'm in a very, very good place now. Like I had therapy yesterday. My therapist is like, look at you and all your coping mechanisms. I'm like, yeah, dude. Uh, No, I'm in the best part. Like I'm in a really good place in my life. And I feel really blessed that I have so much self-knowledge for 25. Like, I feel like I know how to handle myself now as somebody who has a laundry list of mental health issues. Like, that's that is what it is I can't change that but I can change my attitude towards it and how I deal with my daily life and I've I feel like I'm doing good there but um my past definitely was not not so good Jeff I started self-harming by 12 like I always had a negative voice in my head that was just a given like I just didn't like myself and then I suppose being picked on in school didn't really help or anything and then I I had such low self-esteem by 15 that I thought that I'm no good at anything, so I and I and I'm not the best at anything, so I may as well be the skinniest, just as some form of like achievement. Um, so I was like 14, 15, and then I got better. And then when I started doing TV, I made sure that I was a healthy weight because I didn't want to be somebody's role model for self destruction. Like I hated this notion that girls would look at me and go, "Oh, she can get away with being so skinny. Why can't I?" Because that was definitely the mentality that I had. So I, I'd gotten over those like, as much as I could. They came back to bite me later on in my life and things. Um, but again, I worked through it and I, and I got out the other end. But like, there was a lot of stuff. Like, there was a sexual assault that happened when I was 15. Um, there was fraud. I got like basically six figures taken away from me. So I woke up at 18, bankrupt, uh, which was great. And then I hit a slippery slope of, drinking too much so I was an alcoholic officially and then I also turned to benzodiazepines which are sleeping medication which I abused for a good seven years eventually I just was like hey how about we take all this energy that we've put into hating ourselves? fun concept we use that to love ourselves, and obviously that's terrifying for somebody who's only known the negative voice in their head and it took years it really did but like I'm now that annoyingly optimistic person that when a bad thing happens, I'm like, oh, well, you know, maybe that's the universe's way of like doing this or that. And it's annoying to a lot of people, but it it is like my my coping mechanism is just like looking on the bright side at all times, no matter what. Well, good. (laughs) I'm very glad to hear you have the coping mechanism in place because it sounds like, you know, you've you've just listed you know, a litany of, th- of issues that someone so young should never have to face. But of course, so many youngsters and so many adults go through all these horrible things. But, you know, I don't want to just kind of revisit them as little bullet points because these are huge moments in your life that have had massive, massive impact. You've referenced sexual assault. You've, you've referenced, uh, you know, being an alcoholic. You've talked about losing a co- colossal amount of money. And of course, you've obviously been thrown into the public eye very, very quickly unprepared for that, having had horrible experiences in your childhood with with schools and and 
bullies and, and this inner voice that you talk about. And it's just, you know, when you see that journey, it, it's, it's remarkable that you are now and glorious to see smiling on the other side and bright and positive and effervescent and ready for it. But of course, you know, this, this is not to just kind of skate through the, the mountains and mountains of, of understandably incredibly dark times that you've obviously had to face. Yeah, no, it was, it was a lot. It was hard. And I just can't believe that I put myself through so much pain all the time. I thought to exist was pain. And I thought to make art, you had to suffer. And that's not true. <laughs> you don't have to suffer to make art at all. And I think for me, like there was obviously numerous times where, not obviously, but there was numerous times where I tried to take my own life. And what bothers me about that and the amount of people that do actually have suicidal ideations is that if I'd been successful, I would have only have known the pain of existence. All I would have known is being an alcoholic who hated themselves, who thought that the world was just not for them. But now coming out the other side, I'm so grateful every single day. Like just the little things, like when a stranger smiles at you, when you see a video of a funny dog on the internet, when you watch those videos of soldiers coming home, when I look at my own life and all the, the joy I've had, like recording the album, like with so many funny, amazing Irish musicians, with a producer that I love to pieces, all of those things I never would have got to experience. So it's like, I want, I would, you just want to give that knowledge to somebody who's in it. You know, you just want to be like, I swear to God, it gets so much better. It really does. Like, I'm just every day blessed that I sucked at that, <laughs> that I failed. I've never been so happy to fail in my whole life. Like, but I am. And every single day really is a blessing. Like, I know it sounds so cheesy, but like as somebody who's really been through it, like even a bad day these days is nowhere near what my bad days used to be like. And I just, I don't know, waking up every day just being like, oh my God, for some reason I'm somehow still doing music. Like this is my job. Like it, it gives me a purpose. And like, I think that's why I love what I do so much. Like I have goals and things to work towards. Like, I would suggest that there are three good things happening here, Janet. The first one is you're alive. The yep. second is that you're feeling bright. And the third, of course, is that you're still doing the job that you love, which is which is a blessing for all of us, of course. Was there a moment in this darkness, and it sounds like the, the darkness was a long, pervading time in your life, was there a moment where you did have a, 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 a corner to turn and you felt, this is, I have to do this now, I have to get out of this? Or was it somebody or something or a, a conversation or a, a trigger point which, which snapped you out of it or, or just brought you slightly towards a, a happier time? I remember my mum having to fly over to England um, after I went missing for like a few days again because of drink. And she took me to the doctors. The doctor recommended me to go to like this drug centre, this drugs and alcohol centre that I'd already been to. And I'd already done a programme and it hadn't worked. Uh, but anyway, I was like, right, fine. My mummy's here. I'll do what my mummy says and I'll go. And then the woman was like, oh, we don't actually have any spaces left. Um, but I'll put you on the waiting list and all the rest. Best, the best blessing ever, though. She was like, in the meantime, here's here's like some meetings locally for AA. Okay. And I had been to somebody before and they said, oh, don't go to AA. It's just a room full of relapsers and blah, blah, blah. So I never went. 
And I said that to her. I was like, I was told this, like, it's like a room full of relapsers and there's no point in going. And she's like, whoever told you that? Uh, just, it, like, remove that from your memory and just go. So then a few days later, I went. And then I literally, I still stand by it. It was, like, the first day of the rest of my life going in there and just relating to people, not feeling alone. Their stories resonated with me. And it was, like, a woman's meeting. And look, I just like sat in this room at 10 o'clock on a Sunday with all these women who looked amazing, were successful, were owning life, and they were laughing at their pain. And I was like, no, this I can get on board with. I want whatever <laughs> you've got. That's exactly what I want. So that for me was the, the start of me starting to get better. So, I mean, it sounds like the key take home, because of course you had these preconceptions that AA wouldn't be, wouldn't be right because of what you had filtered through to you. But it sounds to me like the take home to, to anyone that's going through any sort of challenge. And of course, you've had the extreme versions, but there are plenty of people out there and we all live our own truths, don't we? There are plenty of people out there that are just feeling low for reasons they maybe can't put their fingers on. And the message, I guess, from your experience is whatever you do, however you're feeling, remember there's another day and start talking to people literally talking to people is the biggest part of it and i think a lot of times when we act out on whatever it usually tends for like tends to be this like inability to just be with ourselves mm -hmm. so i feel like isolation is bringing that up for a lot of people like because they are on their own they're with their own company for so long that it's like if if you if you don't like being alone right now you're in bad company and you need to reach out and you need to talk and you like it's a hard time so it's it's okay to be struggling and it's okay to struggle whenever this is all over and life goes back to normal if you don't talk about it the only person you're hurting is yourself you're putting yourself in unnecessary pain and I don't want to sound like a preacher it's just like it's just something I've learned like for me personally I have to go to therapy because I feel like I need to pay someone to listen to my bullcrap you know, I'm like, I just, I have, I have a lot of stuff going on. I don't want to just offload to my friends all the time. Whereas like, he has to listen to me because I'm paying him. Do you know? Yeah, <laughs> yes, I do. Although I just want to say, Janet, you can always call me. Um, listen, I, I think it's quite important for anyone listening, thinking, well, hang on, you know, who do I talk to? Where do I start? I just want to give out the Samaritans number because uh, mm -hmm. I think that's, you know, a, a point of call that anyone should make it however they're feeling if they just think you know maybe I should talk to someone the Samaritan's number is 116123 that's 116123 Janet I'm certainly not trying to trivialize anything you've been through but you know the hearing you talk it sort of makes me feel you know you need to get this down in a book well you have rather yes. conveniently and this isn't me moving the conversation on to talk product by the way it's just the fact is that you know anybody that's just just tuned in and kind of hearing the tail end of what you're saying and thinking goodness me this young lady has lived a life in the last nine ten years how has she managed it you unpack all of this in, in a new book don't you yeah so I, I talk about all of the things in the book all of the everything I've been through like it's not all negative there is some happy stuff in there um but realistically, yeah, it's, it's, I know people are going to think like she's 25, why is she writing an autobiography? But it's not so much an autobiography because it doesn't really go from like, I was born to where I am now. You know, it's more specifically on these topics as around three stories for each topic and how I got out of it. Um, and like, I obviously did the book for a selfish reason. I just wanted to get the stuff off my chest, have it down on paper so it like has no more ownership of me. 
Absolutely. Well, it helped you and now it's helping them. And, and if anyone's familiar with your songs, you know, you're a fabulous lyricist. I love your way with words. So if the book echoes the songs and the style that you write in, then I imagine it's extremely raw and also very poetic. It's a very raw book. Yeah. Like, I feel like obviously that word can be a bit overused, but it's the word that people keep saying. So I'm like, well, it must be that then. It must be raw. Um, because I wasn't trying to hide anything. Like the amount of times my editor would call me and be like, are you, are you sure you want to put that in the book? Like you're aware people are going to read this. And I'm like, yeah, the fact that you're saying that makes me know that that story has to be in the book, actually. But lyrically on the album, I wanted to ensure that it wasn't too self-indulgent. So the whole thing is bathed in metaphor. So you might think, it might be a song about an eating disorder, but it sounds like a bad breakup song because I still wanted people to have the freedom to do what music is brilliant for. And that's like interpret it to your own life, you know? So I still didn't want to lose that magic of music. And that's why I did the book so that people could get to know what actually happened or they could just listen to this as a piece of music and enjoy it. The album is called Confessional. I, I had it on in the car on the way here. I'd made the mistake, perhaps, of reading a little review just before I put it on. And the review <laughs> said that it's music that wears its heart and its scars on its sleeve, which actually was a very good way of putting it. Because then, there I am driving, stuck in traffic, and I've got tears coming down my face because I realised <laughs> the journey that you've been on, you know, and I knew what we we're going to be talking about. And it was like, oh my goodness, it's all there. I mean, it's really powerful stuff, Janet. You know, you, you've really let the, let the world in, haven't you? Yeah, but it's, it's because I don't mind oversharing. Like, oversharing is my brand, you know? And I don't mind. It doesn't negatively impact me to be honest and vulnerable. In fact, I enjoy being honest and vulnerable and the fact that I can get it across in my music it makes me happy. Like, I, I think that's because I like that kind of music. So the fact that, you know, some people listen to the album and cry, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> feel those feelings. <laughs> I'll take that as a win. Boom. We did it. <laughs> we did it. Although, I mean, it is, again, it's, it's really important to talk about the journey and it's, I don't want to say it's conclusion because, of course, you know, we're all learning and we, we wake up one morning and we feel something and then, you know, we'll end the day feeling differently. But let's just talk about the, the, the title of the last track on the album. It's called Better Now. That's mm. the last song on the album. Now, you, you, you kind of looked at me there. You, you pulled a face, which obviously the listeners can't see, but you pulled a face yeah. as if it, that's a bit cringe. But, <laughs> but... Um, no, it's because it's the song that gets uh, misinterpreted. Okay. So... I wanted originally to end this album on Holy Water, which is this up and clappy, happy-go-lucky, like, I'm better, life's good, amazing, yeah, I'm, I'm doing all this, I've, I've let go of my demons. And then Better Now is supposed to sound like, it's actually ironic. It was because I was working really hard at my recovery and all of these things, and on the outside, everybody looking in was like, oh, she's doing so good, she's doing so well. And I realized that I was actually like gripping my well-being with my fingernails. And I actually wasn't better. And I ended up relapsing and going to rehab. Um, so like the lyrics in that song are actually just like, oh yeah, look how better I am. Driven with Andy J. 
you want to hear Janet Devlin's full album, Confessional, it's out for download now. However, I just want to say, if you are affected by what you've just heard, please do contact the Samaritans on 116123. That number again, 116123. Now, after the break, I'm joined by actor Emmett Scanlon on his new drama, The Deceived, that you can see every day next week on Channel 5. Driven with Andy J. Welcome back to Driven here on Talk Radio with me, Andy J. Now, I am thrilled to be able to welcome my next guest, a man who, I'm, I'm going to put it kindly, is feeling a little sleep-deprived. He's a superstar actor. He's been in a litany of wonderful shows. He's here to talk to us about The Deceived, but we've got plenty more things to discuss as well. I also have to bring up Guardians of the Galaxy, obviously, because it's awesome. It's the wonderful Mr. Emmett Scanlon. How are you doing? Thanks very much for having me, Andy. Yeah, I am quite sleep-deprived. Yes, I'm just glad it's not TV because i got a face like wet bread at the moment. <laughs> I have a, I'm not joking about it. I have a, we just had a son. Uh, he's uh, two weeks old, and he's an absolute angel. He's a dude. But it does mean that any little noises he makes, I'm up straight away feeding him and changing him, along with my wife, so... I'm in, I'm super a, impressed that you have dived right back in with full time nighttime dad duties, Emmett. That is, I know that is scary. I know it's like a bike, though. You, you you never forget. Like and my daughter is turning eighteen next next month. God knows where those years went. <laughs> and now and now we're starting again. So look, I've got to. I'm a dad myself, Emmett, and I've got to ask you. I've, on. I've got two boys. Now their okay. age gap is not eighteen years, or give or take. No. Yours is. Now, so was Ocean planned or was Ocean one of those welcome, joyful, oh my goodness, we're going again? <laughs> Ocean was planned. Brilliant. My wonderful, beautiful daughter of 18 years ago wasn't planned <laughs> and probably the best unplanned thing I've ever done. But um, yes, Ocean, Ocean was planned. Uh, and funny enough, I know we're on uh, radio to talk about the deceived, but he was conceived on the deceived. So Brilliant. we were, um, uh, the fact that it rhymes is pure coincidence. Um, uh, uh, we were in Belfast, myself and my wife came over. And then you don't need to know the rest of Time is it now anyway? I can, I can join the dots. I, I know yes. I know what happens. And, and, yes, and, yes. and babies were made. And, be, and before we know it, Ocean Torn Scanlon is born. Torn is uh, Gaelic for chief or chieftain. Oh. Double dial name. So he's, he's got a lot to live up to. That's um, and he's already, I, I, mate, he's, he's like, I don't want to bore your listeners, but he's like two weeks old now. He's making the most incredible of noises. Um, I cannot stop kissing him. It's borderline child oh. abuse at this stage. <laughs> and he's already way cooler than I will ever be at have, two weeks old. Oh, of course. They, your kids always have to be cooler than you, however old they are. <laughs> I mean, Emmett, have you, have you found that you've had that? Because certainly when, when my first was born, it was unbelievable. I was blown away. I, was, I became a completely different person. I was crying at adverts. I was so emotional. And I thought, yeah. well, it, it can't be as intense second time around. And it was. You've obviously got this 18-year gap. Have you found that you've almost got that, that explosion of crazy love all over again? All over again. I mean, it's... It, it, there's no, and I have to say that the pregnancy itself, when we went into hospital, we were looked after by Arrow Park. It was a 40-hour labour, mm. and it was an emergency C-section. So the whole thing was absolutely uh, just this. I, I can't even put it into words. 
but um, but when we saw Ocean and we heard him cry for the first time, I started crying myself. Yeah. But it wasn't like I, mean, I don't cry, but it wasn't. But it was like a child's cry, like I was sobbing. <laughs> but it was just, and immediately I'm just looking at him, going, "I love you more than anything. It's unbelievable. I'll do anything for you right now." Yeah. Um, so it is. It, it never, it never stops. I, mean, I could talk to you all day about fatherhood and the joys of being yes. a new dad. I can feel just how kind of overwhelming and glorious it is for you right now. And and in a way, I, I'll I'll share a story with you in a moment. But I'm I'm guessing, even though you're very happy to be talking here and you you got the new show out next week, which we of course will discuss. I'm guessing part of you is feeling almost a little bit guilty for for now talking work for a little while. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, honestly, mate, I'm just trying to pull it all together and try and make words and connect them together to make coherent sentences for you <laughs> for this. And honestly, I have like I've got my cup of coffee here. It's strong, and I'm willing to talk about work. We're dispelling a few myths about Emmett Scanlon. You know, you're you're not the character you're portraying. You know, this is <laughs> very, you're, you're, you're establishing just that you really are a, a high quality actor, Emmett, because we've we've seen you in many shows, and in in a lot of them, you're not the most likable person on the planet. We're obviously referring in, in a big way to Brendan from Hollyoaks. Um, <laughs> we can come back yeah, to that yeah. shortly. Uh, now we're going to play a, a clip from the Deceived at the end of our chat, so don't worry. I guarantee we'll probably get it out there. But I've got a question for you, right? So Deceived is playing on every day, Channel Five next week at nine o'clock. Brilliant. Really looking yeah. forward to it. It's exactly exactly the sort of show that I'm going to love. I'll, 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 read, I'll read a little brief that I've heard that, that really captured me in. A sinister narrative of lust, manipulation and betrayal. Ooh, yeah. I like the sound of that. <laughs> yeah. What a job, eh? <laughs> and, and you were the first person to call. Now, I'm asking this question mindful that you are in the sleep-deprived, new dad, second-time-round vibe right now. There's, yes. a, there's a sentence that goes with you for this show, but it also carries around with you. And I want to ask you about if it comes with a certain degree of pressure on your behalf. And that is, oh, it's, the note in the words that I've been given, and I've actually seen this about you a few times, you are described as timelessly attractive and charismatic. <laughs> that's unbelievable. What does, I mean, what does that do to you as a man when you see, that's how you're being portrayed, timelessly attractive. Does right. that mean you're, 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 you're staying handsome right. as you we get older? Time right now, we could do a FaceTime right now, and you would go like, "No way!" I mean, my face right now is the face of horror. That's what that's built up. It's either horror or comedy. There ain't no timelessly attractive about this. It's like a fucking melted Barbie doll right now. You do not want to see this. I, I, I find it, I find it very uh, weird that someone would say that. And whoever said that is an exceptional liar. <laughs> they're, no, they're just a really big fan, Emmett. And I need to warn <laughs> no, you... now that, a big fan. Now that you're on your second, I need to warn you. So I, I also felt that after my first, my face was okay. After my second, my face became a smashed-up old tea bag, and there's no going back. It's The damage is <laughs> done for life now. You know what it is? And I said this to my wife. <laughs> I said this to my wife one day in the past. Oh God knows what it is. When you wake up, you get out of bed, you know, I'm walking down the hallway to the kitchen to make myself coffee, and I can feel my skin on my face. I like I can feel the bag, like, <laughs> underneath my eyes. When I move my eyeballs, I can, I can feel it move with me, and that never used to happen. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm just, I'm, I'm 41, I'm, I'm not old, old, but it's, I'm definitely not timelessly attractive, but um, <laughs> whoever said that, I mean, remarkable taste, obviously. 
it just means we need to work harder at the charisma. There you go. You know. Exactly. Here's <laughs> exactly. the seesaw. <laughs> yeah. Well, just, I mean, you may, you, this might not happen to you, Emmett, but certainly I'm now a proud owner of a full-blown dad bod. You know, it doesn't matter how much I train or swim oh, or God, exercise yeah. or whatever. Yeah, no. The dad bod's yeah. here to stay, and I've just got to own it. Yeah, 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 100%. Um, it's really, really difficult to get rid of it. And, you know, sometimes when you're gorging on a box of chocolate, or in my case, gin and tonic, you just can't help it. <laughs> but I do, I, I, will, I will say this, even though like, I, I teeter on the edge of dad bod to, oh, my God, look, there's a, a one-pack. There's something going on there. There's, like... <laughs> <laughs> I have a job. I booked a job, I booked a job over this crazy time lockdown, uh, which I'm really excited about. And um, that is that filming in a few months, and that requires me to not have a bad boss. Oh, no. So training for that oh. started intensely yesterday. Oh no! Oh, yes. I feel your and pain. I've got about eight weeks to do it. Eight <laughs> weeks to do it. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, I mean, you know, you'll enjoy the before and afters, though, I guess. There's that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's certainly <laughs> the afters, yeah. Body <laughs> memory. I was just like, I'll have one donut and the stomach will just pop out. I was like, brilliant. <laughs> Do you know what? <laughs> I, I was, I was going to be chatting to you about so many quite deep and meaningful things about playing nasty characters. No, forget and, about it. Scrap. This, is so much, it. this is so much better. I'm so much, yeah. so much happier we're talking about this. There's no script. Time. We've gone off. We've gone off filter, you know. <laughs> hey, guys, I hope you're listening. Channel 5, August 3rd, this Eve. Just tune in. Now, back to babies <laughs> and dad bods. Exactly. <laughs> babies and dad bods is our new truth. It's all great. <laughs> <laughs> However, your your pre second baby pre dad bod, you were in the deceived. You have recorded it. It's not a live show. That's the, that's the good news. <laughs> can, you, can you imagine if they drop that one on you now, Emmett? We've had a bit yeah, of a problem yeah, yeah. with all the episodes. We're going to need to do it all live. Emmett, I guess we should probably conclude with with something about the deceived. Sell it to me in one <laughs> sentence. <laughs> what, what do we need? What, one sentence. Yeah, go watch on. the deceived. It'll be great. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like a psychological thriller that you don't want to miss. The Andy J Podcast. The Andy J Podcast. Oh, well, how's about that? Four huge and wonderful stars, each bringing a whole different sort of conversation to the table. A real mixed bag today, wasn't it? I really enjoyed it. Emmett Scanlon, Robert Sheehan, Janet Devlin, of course, and Tom Hopper. Ah, such a lovely group of people with such fascinating and different outlooks on life and so many different journeys to experience. I really hope you found today's episode rewarding, interesting, dynamic, fascinating, and potentially helpful. Um, This is the Andy J Podcast. We do this week in, week out. Thank you very much for your company. It means the world to me. I'd love it if you could subscribe, if you don't, so that you know every week when a new episode lands. I'd love it if you could tell your friends. And if you'd like to say something nice, that would be wonderful. You can follow me at andy.j on Instagram. I don't really do Twitter. I am on there um, very much in the background, just as at Andy J, J J-A-Y-E. I don't really do it, but I do look from time to time. Insta's my thing. Anyway, thank you so much for your company. Thank you for your time. And uh, let's keep on keeping on, shall we? See you next week. The Andy J Podcast. The Andy J Podcast. 
Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24.